Welcome, Slavoj. Thank you for coming. I'm proud to be here. Thanks. Why do you support WikiLeaks? It's not just my personal sympathy for Assange. It's, uh, well, we don't have time to go, if not into philosophy, into general social theory. But I think that WikiLeaks, for me, is a symbol of a crucial struggle for emancipation today. Our old idea of emancipatory movement is either you have mass popular protests like Podemos, uh, Occupy Wall Street, or you have political organizations and so on. But there is a third level of the struggle. If you just read our popular media, you can easily see from different uh, news stories to what extent our lives are already registered, controlled by what Julian Assange describes so perfectly as this combination of big private corporations like Facebook, Google, and state security agencies. I mean, what they know, what they can do, it's breathtaking. What we do, what we shop our, when we shop our emotional uh, reactions, and so on and so on, everything is registered. I'm not paranoiac about this. I'm just saying that it's absolutely crucial that we become aware of it and that we learn to strike back. And we shouldn't be soft or gentle here. This is a big struggle. And uh, we should strike back through hackers, our own technicians, well-trained people, and so on. This is also a large technical operation. Now, my friends tell me, but are you aware to what extent our daily lives are run through digital machinery, electricity, food distribution? Do you want to destroy this all? I'm saying, no, my fear is that those in power are getting ready to interrupt this, uh, to put at a standstill this digital universe if it will fit them in a time of unrest and so on and so on. I don't trust them. It's absolutely crucial that people become aware of two things. First, how our daily lives are controlled and regulated through immense, vast, vast digital machinery. And point two, who controls, regulates, limits this machinery. It's typical that most of the news that we hear about this are Usually, oh, do you know what they are doing in China? They are already introducing some grading of all citizens, your patriotic status, and so on and so on. Yes, but the same thing in a more soft, invisible way is happening here with us. So again, I repeat it, we are usually caught in this duality. Either we do it Podemos style, just we follow popular unrest of the people, or we do it the old-fashioned way, we need a political organization who elaborates programs. These two levels are not enough. A third level is necessary, and this is what Julian triggered. So, as an old Maoist, even if they, but they shouldn't, finish off somehow with him. You know, Mao Zedong said in that great moment of opening in, I think, 56, let the hundred flowers blossom, you know. 
Our answer should be let the hundred WikiLeaks blossom. We need WikiLeaks for China, WikiLeaks for Russia, and so on. Otherwise, are we aware? This is what shocked me. Now I go more personal towards uh, Julian. I was so shocked at the low level of the campaign. Like uh, uh, Trump, Donald Trump is almost a kind and polite guy if you compare the level of the campaign against uh, Julian. You know, it began with pure political considerations, like uh, uh, didn't they endanger lives of our agents and so on, for whom are they working, is Julian on the payroll of Putin, whatever you want. Then it was one level lower, these personal accusations, the unfortunate uh, documentary of what's the girl's name, Laura Poitras or whatever, you know this. He is authoritarian, he is paranoid. Well, all I can say to that is that, sorry, but if at that point the boss of the CIA says that my arrest is his priority, I would be a little bit conspiratorial and paranoid also. It's ridiculous. <laughs> and all that stuff about, uh, you remember, the first years were the Swedish accusations against him. Here, I think, I have a great criticism here of the Me Too movement. Not that, I don't know, I wasn't there, that a priori Julian is uh, blameless. But what I'm saying is that, my God, some of this new feminist movement, couldn't they say, sorry, we are fighting a great fight for women's liberation, new voice of women, and we will not allow our struggle to be so blatantly manipulated, put in service of a, of a, of a, of a fr frantic activity of those empires to destroy Julian. Why didn't they, they, I'm not expecting from them to defend him totally, but at least to say, sorry, it's a clear-cut case of political manipulation. So second was character assassination, and the lowest, it, it disappeared. It was just, maybe you remember, for a couple of days in the media. Do you remember that a couple of days, all of a sudden, there was news that the real reason Ecuadorians in the embassy want to get rid of Julian is that he doesn't wash regularly and that he smells bad. I mean, here they went right. even lower than Trump. Trump is a model of civility and politeness. Sorry, and what really shocked me, you know, is how, how people are, sometimes I get the impression that all this continuous propaganda, this little doubt, was he connected with Putin and so on and so on. Listen, the story here is much more complex. First, what ha one has to repeat again and again. With all this story about fake news cheating and so on, as far as I know, WikiLeaks was never, never caught even at the tiny point of spreading fake news and so on. It proved to be the only reliable one. Point two, Putin and so on. Are, and usually then people mention uh, Snowden, you know. But I know, I was in contact with Julian, I know that you remember when Snowden was caught in Hong Kong. Their first choice was not Russia. One has to repeat it. When people say, oh, but Snowden chose Russia, now he gave them all the secret information. 
Sorry, Snowden didn't want to go Russia. They were desperately trying in those 10 days, whatever window of time they had, anywhere in the West to put him. They tried Denmark, they tried all Netherlands, Sweden, all those countries, uh, Norway, who pride themselves for radically demo- being radically democratic. None wanted them. And Snowden, even now from time to time, gives a voice of dissatisfaction. So let's not, and also, what we learned from the affair of Cambridge Analytica is that, no, you don't need Putin. It was the Putin. If by Putin we mean some secret agent who twisted, influenced the American election. Sorry, it wasn't Putin. It was Cambridge Analytica, well rooted in the West, nothing to do with Putin, and it was Hillary Clinton. And uh, here, if you allow me, just the last point, what horrifies me, is how this, uh, the saddest example for me is now a newspaper like Guardian, which professed itself to be the voice still within the establishment, but of the left as much as you can go. But I was so surprised now a couple of days ago, yesterday, I read a ferocious attack on Susan Sarandon, claiming her practically to work for Donald Trump. Why? Because uh, this is my big reproach to Clinton liberals. They attack Trump all the time and so on and so on. But they never ask the critical question. Uh, Hillary Clinton had practically uh, uh, the victory in her pocket. Why did she lose? The true, the name of the trouble was here Bernie Sanders. And I think what cost Hillary the election was the brutal way she liquidated the left wing in her own party. I know literally hundreds of people who told me I wanted to vote for Bernie. I would be ready to switch to Hillary, but when I saw how brutally they outmaneuvered him, sorry, I will not vote for Hillary. So, you see, that's the saddest thing. This, the way, let's call it liberal left center, turned against Julian and made him even a secret tool of Trump, of Putin, whatever. We shouldn't fall into this trap. This is the most dangerous uh, aspect of the big campaign against uh, Julian. But I talk too much. Please, you are my interrogator here. <laughs> now, I, I kind of see my my job here as basically the like a drummer. You know, the less you notice me, the better. You're the you're the talent yeah, the here. The drummer sets um, the rhythm, nonetheless. The drummer sets the rhythm. You know, the drummer is the secret. I master. like your rhythm. Your your rhythm no, no, is you know your rhythm I mean? is good. In our so-called post-authoritarian times, no. We, it's no longer fashionable to call boss a boss. We like more neutral names. One popular name is coordinator, you know. I'm not the boss, mm. I just coordinate. You have all the power <laughs> of the boss, but it sounds more polite. So be my coordinator, okay? <laughs> well, I like what you're saying. I mean, yeah, yeah he's the... He, he, they smeared uh, Susan Sarandon for advocating Jill Stein. I, I was all aboard the Jill Stein um, train when I when that was all going down. I don't know a single Jill Stein voter, not one, who would have voted for Hillary Clinton had Jill Stein not been an option. I not there. There just there. Those that side of the political spectrum was completely 
disgusted with the neoconservative, warmongering, um, oligarchic, coddling nature of the Democratic Party. And there's no way they would have ever gone with Clinton. Yes, but you see, here it's for me what I always repeat, and people even accuse me of being of working for some kind of a weird coalition between, let's say, Bernie Sanders and, uh, and Steve Bannon or whatever. No, I claim that the alt-right is very intelligent using, you, uh, using exploiting the failure of the mainstream democratic left to address, we all know what's the story, ordinary people's concerns and so on and so on. It's not only in the United States, it's the same in France, it's the same in Germany, it's the same in Italy. And the result is what? The result is simply the gradual disappearance of the moderate social democratic left. In Germany, it's practically out. In France, Socialist Party is practically out. In Italy, it's practically out. Even in Spain, Podemos was a heroic attempt. But now they somehow lost momentum. And for a very precise reason, which makes me sad, Podemos was a consciously leftist populist party. You know, their motto was forget about big ideological programs, listen to the ordinary people, to their real concerns and demands. Now I will say something horrible. I don't trust ordinary people, not because they are bad but because their daily lives are caught in ideology. Sorry, but if you go to a country like Hungary, it's easy to attack Orban as a dirty manipulator, but probably the majority is authentically behind Orban. The concerns of everyday people there is, we have too many immigrants, they, they pose a threat to our, day, to our way of life, and so on and so on. So, it's not automatically that ordinary people with their concerns are right. Ideology is not some edifice up there in, com in complex books and so on. Ideology is our daily life, how we experience our daily lives. Imagine an ordinary worker, he loses his job, and he's told it's because of the outsourcing, immigrant, <coughs> sorry, Immigrants can do the work cheaper than you, and so on and so on. And of course, he perceives immigrants as a potential threat. I mean, this is why the next thing I don't trust this politically correct, moderate left is they, now it will be very problematic, I warn you what I will say now. You know, it is this concern with, uh, we shouldn't publish anything critical about immigrants because it will be exploited by the anti-immigrant enemies. And then there was this scandal in Rotterdam scandal two, three years ago in the United Kingdom. Uh, I think that precisely immigrants, they don't need this patronizing protection. We will not mention anything bad about you, we want to protect you. We are treating them like children and we leave to the anti-immigrant, alt-right, the entire space. The problem is to confront, mm. the task is to confront all these problems. 
to confront real problems. There are differences in our and some of the immigrants' at least way of life. We need here an open debate, not this paranoiac protectionism. I know many people from Arab countries, uh, black from United States, Native Americans. Incidentally, this may amuse you. My Native American friends much prefer to be called Indians. You know why? They say Native Americans, it's so patronizingly racist, you know, like native nature. Ah, we are nature, you are culture. So they told me we prefer to be called Indians. At least our name is a sign of white man's stupidity. Who <laughs> thought when they discovered America. <laughs> what I want to say is that uh, uh, we shouldn't be, uh, we shouldn't patronize them. All my friends, hate so much this patronizing attitude you know like with some white liberals when you mention native americans they say oh they have a holistic attitude they don't exploit nature we are white imperialists we just uh, brutally 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 intervene into nature and so on and so on i had a wonderful meeting in missoula montana years ago with a native american who showed me a text he wrote he was an academic where he demonstrated he said but we Native, Amer Native Americans ruined, burned more forests and killed more buffaloes than all white people combined, you know. He wasn't a masochist. He just wanted to say, he detected in a very nice way how uh, to, to paint the other as kind of angelic, you know, they cannot be evil and so on. It's a refined version of racism also. Why do I mention this apropos Julian? Because I think that this politically correct distrust of him, that maybe he was that violent, he is a male chauvinist, blah, blah, blah. This is maybe one of the main factors why many people, unfortunately, in principle, they support him, but with a proviso, you know, like, oh my God, but nonetheless, what if he is an, an, what if he is an unpleasant person? No, I can tell them I spent hours talking with him. He is quite a normal guy. You know, we don't talk with him, I, with him all the time politics. We talk about TV series. We had a long debate on uh, on the man from the high castle, you know, that old Philip Deep classic, which is now uh, a new series, no? And he gave me some wonderful insights about all this and so on. I had a great debate about Handmaid's Tale with him, where we all, both of us, expressed a deep distrust of Handmaid's Tale. You know why? Because uh, it's very refined and perverted. I hope most of our listeners know Handmaid's Tale, I will not lose time going into that. But what's so horrible is that, although, of course, it's a terrifying portrayal of the United States uh, 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 occupied by some uh, Christian fundamentalists and so on, but forget about the official message. Me and all my friends, even women, are fascinated by the details of the organization, you know, how they terrorize women, they shouldn't do this, they control them like that. And in a more subtle way, you are seduced by it. You are not really horrified, I claim. The majority of my friends secretly enjoy watching that universe. It's a pseudo-critique. Of course, it's consciously meant as a critique. But you know, 
the way it is a convincing portrait, it cheats. It cheats in the sense that the message is enjoy it and you can feel safe because officially it's uh, against the oppression of women and so on and so on and so on. The other thing where I agree with Julian is the impotence of American liberal left. Look, Trump is occupying the space. The way it looks now, if there will not be some big economic or military catastrophe, he will win re-election even and so on. And what do we get now? We get what I call uh, John Stewart, John Oliver and so on. This uh, We just laugh all the time. We catch him at his uh, meaningless vulgarities and so on and so on. But all this in the long term works for him, I claim. The more we catch him with his vulgar jokes and so on, we think, oh my God, you see, now people will see. No, his supporters know this and this vulgar human side, this is what they like about Trump and so on. I think that as uh, Julian wrote, uh, it was already a year ago, a very good text where he simply said, if you want to beat Trump, a new in the Bernie Sanders style, American left should re-emerge. That's the only way to beat Julian Trump. Otherwise, and it, uh, yeah. my God, I created a monster now, Julian Trump. Okay, uh, Donald Trump. <laughs> what I'm saying is that this is United States, this is Europe, and so on. If things go on like this, then the choice will be between vulgar alt-right and a more civilized new right, like in Austria, the new chancellor, now already for half a year, Sebastian Kurz, which adopted all the anti-immigrant premises, but does it in a much more civilized way, and so on, and so on. I mean, I really worry. And out of this global worry comes my support for Julian Assange. It's not just a humanitarian question. Look, there is a guy in the Ecuadorian embassy and, uh, and we should help him. Of course we should, but it's not just humanitarian, a humanitarian problem. It's, my God, it's the fate of us all there, literally, I mean. And that's why, so where do, where do you with all the notes about uh, Julian, how his book, which is, I think, in some sense, his greatest achievement, his book on Google, that's his intellectual achievement. He was the first to detect the dark potential of this new media. You know why? Because, and this is ideology at its most dangerous, because when we are manipulated or using simply, okay, I don't want to be accused of moralism. When we participate in Google, Facebook, and so on, we experience ourselves as utterly free. I just do whatever I want. I float freely. I do pick up this, pick up that. But this is the most dangerous non-freedom, which is experienced as even the most radical freedom. And this is my answer to those who claim, but why does Julian focus so much on United States and Western Europe? What about Putin, Russia? What about China? I have one very simple answer here. I'm no friend of Putin. My God, I was engaged ferociously. You remember two years ago, the Pussy Riot uh, scandal. Mm -hmm. 
I was engaged there. My books are now heavily censored. Some publishers already chickened out in China and so on. But you know what's the point? In those countries, people know that they are not free. Nobody has the illusion in China that internet is free. All the time things are censored and sometimes since Junior likes new humor, good humor, good jokes, maybe I can tell our viewer this, that they do it sometimes too automatically. Like around Tiananmen date, at an, when they were celebrating anniversary, uh, 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 the Chinese censors simply uh, prohibited, blocked on the web, the use of the word protest, assuming that Whoa. most of it would refer to Tiananmen. And then an English professor had a wonderful misadventure. He was in China flirting with a lady in England. And since they were both, both literary theorists, well educated in Shakespeare, he wrote to her using a phrase in Shakespeare, because in Elizabethan England, even now you have traces of it. The word protest means, I, meant also I publicly declare, like you say to a lady, I protest my love for you. He did this and his message was blocked. <laughs> so <laughs> the laughter was that if he were to say, I want to screw the brain out of you or whatever vulgar thing, it would have been okay if you could. Shakespeare as a love declaration. Uh, but, you know, on the other hand, as already hinted, I'm afraid of this eternal reference to China, how they control and so on. The good thing is that they're doing it in a much more open way. It doesn't leave you any illusions. The dangerous thing is a slave who doesn't even know that he or she or it, whatever, is a slave, who still thinks that he, she, it is a free being, that your very freedom you buy books on Amazon and so on. You watch TV. I was now told, not by a fanatical leftist, but by a lady who owns a big company, uh, Pippa Malmström in England, uh, or a drone company. How do you know that uh, most of the big flat screen TVs that you buy now have a camera which doesn't only register the obvious thing? What program do you want? Watch how much, but also uh, it has this basic face recognition of um, expressions, intensity, mm. what emotions you experience. We are so totally controlled, and this is the new. This is what is going on now. People don't even notice. It's a new. Uh, it's a new arms race. Mostly, it's digitalizations. All big powers now are. Are, uh, are, uh, are building mega computers, like with unthinkable power. And of course, as usual, we know here only a story from China. We are probably doing the same. In China, they boast about it. They knew that a certain stadium with 60,000 people, there is a mass murderer where he escaped after his last murder. They put a satellite above the stadium and the satellite was able to identify all 60,000 people. And uh, the satellite was also measure, able to measure the intensity of their psychic state. And they correctly 
presumed that the murderer will be still overexcited and they caught him. This is how they caught him. So it's incredible what they already can do. We are in the middle of wow. this new race for total control. Then better not think what is going on in the military use of biogenetics, controlling our mind, uh, the, making different experiments with different gases and so on to whatever, to immobilize you and so on. Things are happening. And the, the, the way WikiLeaks enter here, in a way, Julian was right, although it was a little bit false, that he said, I don't do politics directly. You, the people, should do politics. My job is just to bring you, to bring out to you all the necessary data so that you can decide. I mean, with all the overflow of data about basic things, we know less and less. For example, did you know? I didn't till I heard it now from whom? From an editor of Economist, not from some crazy leftist that all the big powers are now spending immensely on arms. The Arctic area is turned into a mega place for uh, building, I don't know, fortresses, digital networking there and so on. So that uh, uh, this is a good advice if you have, I don't have them, some millions to invest or what. Do it fast because big powers have silently decided to risk inflation. They are spending for rearmament and digitalization of the army such incredible amounts of money and you, that you cannot do it any longer with new debt, taxation and so on. You can do it the standard way. You print money. And they are consciously risking inflation. So crazy things, crazy things are happening. We should simply know about it. For example, did you notice Trump said it? It was noticed a little bit, it disappeared. A key data, you know that even in the worst years of Cold War, they had an agreement. <laughs> space, outer space should remain out of armed forces. Prohibited to right. everyone. Okay, you have planes still, but above outer space, you don't militarize it. Now, Trump, it was in the media, but just uh, a notice, a small item of news which disappeared that Trump ordered the constitution of the, after uh, infantry, uh, Navy, and Air Force, of the first unit of the U.S. Army Space Force, and so on. So many things are happening, and it's, you know, uh, uh, the genius of today's censorship is that you don't do it. Chinese are stupid. They're still doing it too much by simply prohibiting. No, you do it by, by, by overflow of information. You know, they know very well that the large majority of people who has time, you find everything on the web, but who has time to go into it and so on and so on. And the lack of WikiLeaks was that they were enough in the public eye that if they put it out, people noticed it, you know. So again, even independently of what will happen of WikiLeaks, I claim I cannot imagine a further struggle for emancipation without consciously organizing this battle for who controls the digital media. And here is what WikiLeaks did. 
I think. That's why, that's how I explain this absolute incredible uh, revenge, spirit of revenge. Yeah. Like we will catch him, whatever it takes, and so on, and so on. And the saddest thing, again, my greatest moral disappointment, okay, you expect this from right-wingers and so on, is newspapers like Guardian and so on, which now, again, joined the campaign. You remember when they cut him off, there was a big comment in Guardian, I don't know the name, who it was, who said basically Assange is to blame himself for what is happening to him and so on and so on. You know this? Yeah, or like uh, it was the only thing keeping him there is pride, I think was the headline. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, are we aware of the obscenity of this? Like, what fucking pride? The guy is there uh, fighting now, probably literally for his life. He is fighting for his sanity and so on and so on. And uh, it's so obscene that you remember that British member of the court lady who rejected his complaint? This mm. incredible cynicism. Didn't she say it once? How can he say that, that he doesn't have enough fresh air and sun, but I saw him on the balcony. He can go to the balcony and get some sun. Because he can do that once a year, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's a, and now I, it really worries me, this uh, isolation, how they even, literally, what kept him alive was the voice, the link, you know. And now they cut mm. him off, and I think... Okay, it's good maybe that I am not a terrorist. I underline three times what I will say now, that I don't support what I will say now. But, you know, <laughs> in my fantasy world, I sometimes fantasize, couldn't they simply kidnap some American diplomats or British and say, I must say, I'm against it. This is the usual way you say, I'm against it. But I would understand it if, it if it happened, you know, because it's so incredibly brutal. If uh, and, uh, in the previous conversation, the lady said how the American, uh, uh, the United States uh, uh, Department of Justice, how they are doing it, you know, that's their mm -hmm. game. The, the, uh, people should know this. Like many people, even many people thought that Julian was accused of rape. No, he wasn't. There were, they couldn't even move to this level. Then, uh, 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 and it's again and again this false story that is coming out. Uh, uh, this basically misinformation, and it's very difficult to find in this to fight in this way when you have media against yourself and so on and so on. So. Uh, when somebody told me, but nonetheless, Julian collaborated with Russia today, no? I told him, okay, give him one hour a week on CNN, and I'm sure he would gladly exchange uh, <laughs> Russia today for CNN, you know? We have to look the, right. the reality, the reality of the situation. We are, it, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty depressing, you know? I'm not a big optimist here. This the action against Assange was a very dirty action combining psychological pressure, character assassination, vulgar rumors, and so on and so on. It's, uh, people should become aware of this.
Yeah, but it also makes perfect sense that they're doing it. I mean, this is all, their whole thing that they're doing to him is controlling the narrative. They're manipulating the narrative against him. They're stacking the narrative because he threatens. Sorry, even here, I think that maybe their fury blurs them. Because once Mm. I play, I always like to play, I'm evil in this sense that I like to play devil's advocate. And I ask myself, let's say that I'm a representative of American secret organizations, and okay, they're not secret, but dealing with information, NSA, and so on, you know. I would have tried to do it in the opposite way. Portray Julian as a confused guy who means well, but was tragically misused, all the sympathy for him, and so on. I would easily guarantee him no arrest. I I think it would have worked much better, don't you think? In a subtle way, to try to demobilize him without any direct pressure and then do brutal things more discreetly, you know. Mm. I mean, I don't think we see the worst. Now, I know this is dangerous what I'm saying. I'm playing devil's advocate now, you know. But you know what really made well, me... Well, I mean, it's too late now. They're already doing the draconian thing. Yes, so he can... but you know, what, you know what is one of the saddest things that Julian told me? All other heroes of uh, uh, freedom of movement speech, how when he became, Julian, too hot, dangerous, softly withdrew. For example, Julian told me, and sorry, it's not meant in a racist way, but I don't know that Myanmar lady who is now back in power you know, who was uh, I don't 10 know years in house prison, got Nobel Prize, but then she made peace with yeah. military powers. You know who I'm talking about, no? Myanmar. Yeah, I know who you're Burma. talking about. I just that the name's not coming to me. Yeah, okay. I just don't know. I'm very sorry. I apologize sincerely. Yeah. Julian told me no he contacted her if he can get, as another person who was in house prison for a long time, no, 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 no answer. She didn't want to get involved in it in any way, you know. This is people whom I really don't like. Like once they made their own private pact with authority and re-enter the scene, they prefer to obliterate, to forget. Mm. So, uh, so, but you know, where I think we should also be, what do you think, a little bit self-critical here? Like, did we make a mistake anywhere? I silently, I hoped for or expected more, more mass resistance, more famous, big, so-called, but we should ruthlessly use them here, big names. But the third thing is that whenever there is some public proclamation from Julian, you get the same bunch. You get Chomsky, this, that, whatever, you know. The only nice surprise for me was that... Uh, Alfonso Cuaron, you know, the movie director. Mm. He, he allowed his name to be used in support of Julian. Roger, but, Roger Waters, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But these are, uh, as they say in Casablanca, the usual suspects, you know. You expect them. Mm. I expected mm. a little bit more, you know, a little bit more. But you know what I will tell you? Uh, I will not name names, but I met some people, British actors and so on, you know. And privately, they confessed to me they are afraid, like this can 
affect badly their status on the American market and so on, whatever, and so on, and so on. So it's not just, it's not as innocent as this may appear. Yeah, well, I mean, they, these people are all, to some extent, need to ingratiate themselves to the establishment that WikiLeaks threatens in yeah. order to yeah. uh, guarantee their continued success. WikiLeaks really threatens the establishment. You know, who is my other enemy here? There are some kind of a new Maoist or Trotskyite groups who claim, no, Assange is just an old-fashioned libertarian. That's not a true revolutionary theory and so on and so on. What they are doing is that they are building an elite, which means a couple of dozen, maybe 100 members, and living a very comfortable life, like waiting for the big revolution. And they know very well that till that revolution happens, and of course it never will, you can calmly pursue your academic life. That's why I think there is a pseudo-radicalism, <coughs> which serves perfectly those in power. Like, I believe, like, you can demand bombing of the United States and a global revolution. Perfect. Nothing happens, you will be left alone. You do what Julian did, you just render public a little bit of a data, you are a threat. You know, beware of this pseudo-radicalism, which make big threat, but because we all know that these big threats are inoperative, you know, the other thing that we should learn from uh, Julian and general political situation now from, is how sadly our political space has changed, for example, in the last half century. When people ask me, but is Bernie Sanders not too crazy? I told them, but he's not in any sense even a socialist. He is measured right. by standards of half a century ago, when at least in Europe, social democratic welfare state more or less worked, he is a very moderate social democrat in that sense. And you know, a test right. that I made with my friend, every honest leftist in the United States will tell you that if you measure being left in a simple quantified way, like uh, how much under your presidency was given to health care, support of the poor students, and so on. Now, it will be a shock. You know who was the most leftist American president? Richard Nixon. Because... What? Because really? Nixon. He did a lot, plus he made peace with China, and so on. It, I totally believe, you know, the popular uh, conspiracy theory is uh, Kennedy, no? Was he murdered and so on. I think right. maybe it's time to look and hear some Assange kind of new data. It would be wonderful to have them. Is Watergate really as innocent as it may appear? It was so clear that the oh, yeah. establishment were especially the way he did it with China and so on, were not satisfied by Nixon. It's not as simple as that. I, I don't believe this is American ideology at its purest. It appears very critical. My God, the president was corrupted. And then the ideology is, look, what a great democracy we are. Two ordinary journalists can overthrow the mightiest men in the world. Can they? I would like to get the real story of what went behind there. 
So we also need curious about that. Call, uh, historical WikiLeaks, you know, that it looks into this mix, like Watergate myth and so on, you know. Sorry, let you bomb me with questions. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. You have to wonder um, what Watergate would have looked like going down had WikiLeaks been around and, and had people had the same degree of access to information sharing and networking and whatnot. Yeah, yeah, precisely, yes. I think that one yeah, I, I think uh, also that yeah. uh, don't blame only the Democrat, don't, uh, sorry, don't, uh, don't fall into this trap of just praising the Democratic Party in the United States. Democratic Party was always historically more interventionist than Republican Party. Most of the military operations and so on were done by Democratic Party, many of them and so on. So, you know, yes. there is a dark side of the Democratic Party. And uh, it's as part of this demystification of Democratic Party that I support what Julian was doing. Yeah, and that's why they hate him so much, is, is the raw truth rips off that smiley face that they put on the same kind of oppressive government that you describe in Russia and China. But, you know, in Russia and China, as you said, it's less threatening because they know that they are oppressed. People here don't know that they are oppressed, and WikiLeaks yeah, causes that to happen. It would be better for us to have a Chinese regime. No, I wouldn't like to leave. Right. Let's be serious. If I were to choose, I would... Right. One of these three countries, my choice would still have been United States, you know. Because the good thing about mm. United States is that it's still relatively decentralized. They have so many civic life institutions and so on and so on. So Trump cannot simply behave like Hitler and centralize the government or whatever, you know. But he is doing the best. And that's, I think, the tragedy of... <laughs> Republican presidents, their official ideology is often populist, you know, populist in the sense of more power to local states against Washington and so on. But they always end up strength, strengthening the hold of Washington, precisely of centralized agencies and so on and so on. We live in very confused times, you know. We really uh, lack what my friend Frederick Jameson called cognitive mapping, like just a general idea how things stand, stand where things are moving, and so on and so on. I, I, and again, this makes it all the more important to have people like Assange. He's a great help to what I hope it will be a new left, precisely because he doesn't do direct political analysis or program and so on and so on. He provides the basis and shows, as I already said at the beginning, one of the ways, which is uh, uh, to, 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 to rip off, to prevent the establishment to control our digital grid. Because, you know, we see this clearly. I'm sure that also in our democratic West, those in power are prepared. You know what happened, you remember, from Egypt to anywhere. When there is some dissatisfaction, chaotic, the first thing those in power do is they cut off first, uh, 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 first they cut off uh, uh, internet, uh, cell phones, and so on and so on. 
this is who will control all this is crucial. Mm. Yeah, one of my one of my favorite Assange clips of all time um, mm. was actually one you were in as well that MIA event, and he was talking about the future of artificial intelligence and yeah. the way that it it will you know we already we've had for many years ai that can out that can outsmart a grand chess master so mm. you know it's it's we're it these systems are just going to get better and better at manipulating us and really the only weapon that we have against that is is truth raw facts yeah 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 but uh, i remember oh, that the whole story to be told uh, we were there, I think, uh, yes, with Mia, but in that relatively small room, you know, because it was a big mm. pressure to move us to some small, they wanted even smaller room. All of a sudden, there was a problem with space. Then they claimed, the organizers, um, uh, that uh, that maybe there will not be enough interest. It's better that we put you into a smaller room. It was quite comical. Uh. But I think we touched there in the debate, yes, one crucial problem, which uh, everybody is doing now. It's not just this, uh, I mean, by everybody, I mean all secret services and so on. It's not just a digital control in the sense of whatever you do is traced, registered somewhere, you are manipulated. What worries me maybe even more, and I always return to this point, is uh, this direct digitalization in the sense of uh, direct connection interface between our brain and digital network. Like, uh, you know how, uh, for example, the stupid example I always use, before his death, Stephen Hawking no longer needed his finger. His brain was directly wired. They already mm -hmm. can connect your brain to machines, which, okay, still very primitive, but they can discern some basic orders. So Stephen Hawking thought forward, his wheelchair moved forward and so on. But this changes the whole definition of a human being. Our basic human identity is I'm here in my mind free, reality is out there. When this limit falls, on the one hand, yes, I gain extraordinary powers. It's almost like God. I think about something, it happens in reality. But you know, it goes also the other way around. My brain can be directly controlled and so on and so on. And Just it, like the internet. In exactly the same way the internet happened. Yeah, we, we gain all yeah, these powers, but there's this trade-off. Yeah, it would be literally part of internet. And as such, mm. controlled and so on. And this opens up a breathtaking perspectives. Maybe I wrote a comment that, uh, of... Uh, you know, in Egypt, but it's again easy to take these third world countries because then we can laugh at them. But I see this as ominous signs. In, order, in Egypt, for half a year, their uh, uh, parliament is debating a new law that would prohibit, make it a big criminal offense to be an atheist. Now, listen to what I said. Not, it's prohibited already now to publicly declare or explain, propagate your atheist views. Now, as it says in the law, it's not only about what you speak in public, it's what about you think. 
they want seriously, it's not a joke, to prohibit wow. being an atheist. Now, of course, the big question is, how would you measure this? And I made the cynical proposal, neurotheology, you know, this new subsection of brain sciences, when they're already pretty far, again, it's primitive, but in some uh, uh, raw sense, it works. I, I put measuring apparatus on your, close to your brain, and I can determine safely when you have, now here problems enter, how precise is this, what kind of, but when you have some kind of religious experience, religious trans, mystical experience, and so on and so on. So it would be wonderful to have, a, wonderful in a terrifying sense, to live in a state where atheism is prohibited and you would have to go once a month to some state agency where they measure your brain, like did you have a religious experience or not, whatever, and so on and so on. Okay, it's a joke, of course, but you know where it's not a joke? Uh, this is one of the worst surprises for me of uh, those naive people like uh, Sam Harris, Steven Pinker, who try to be basically optimistic, you know, like freedom is nonetheless mm. progressive, less and less people go hungry, whatever you want, you know. Uh, in what sense, what, what, what are the options here? I mean, what can develop with these subtle forms of control and so on and so on? It's ink exploding. So again, uh, uh, I, I am unfortunately not such an op. You know what's their story? And here we, partisans of Assange, should reply. You know, their story, it may appear convincing, is, but look, look at the numbers. This is, I think, uh, Steven Pinker in his last book for enlightenment, whatever. Look at the numbers. Uh, even in the poorest African country, poverty is slowly diminishing. For the first time in the history of humanity, obesity is a greater problem than hunger. And, and so on and so on, all those data. Yeah, but, uh, you know, we should go further than this and look at potential dangers and tendencies. My first answer is move 100 to 1900. Exactly the same point could have been made. Look, Europe in 1900 and the United States. Look, you could say, for half a century, we had worldwide progress. No Okay, some colonial wars, but no big wars. Extraordinary progress of democracy, welfare, and so on and so on. What could go wrong? Yes, then you had World War One, which was a mega shock. And I see some ominous parallels between World War One, pre-World War One situation, and our situation today. Exactly in mm. that time, uh, the problem was that the British World Empire, its descent, its disintegration become, began. You had new colonial, new powers like Germany, mostly also non-clear status of Russia. And, of course, First World War was about this new distribution of power in a multicentric world. Are we not today in exactly the same situation? The American century is over. 
we have, okay, economically not so much Russia, more politically, but China and so on, India, and we live in dangerous times because I think we don't have new, my God, how should I call this, uh, new unwritten rules of how you deal. You know, in Cold War, there were clear rules. You don't intervene there militarily and so on. And it worked. Today, we don't have these rules. And I really think that we live in a dangerous time. Of course, we don't believe there could be a war, but nobody really believed it also in the case of the World War One, while everybody was getting ready for it, in the same way as today, my God, we are getting ready for it. So that's why, again, we desperately need things like Wikileaks to tell us things, the new arms race and all that, you know. Yeah, it's the 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 greater the more godlike powers that that these these organizations get. Um, you know, we've got new new plutocrats just emerging out of Silicon Valley and stuff, just out of the blue, who never even existed before. There's there's like this this people are. That's also an now. I will tell you something that many leftists will not like. I generally support George Soros his fight against this new European anti-immigrant right. But nonetheless, I saw a year ago when an interview with him where he claimed that how it would be good for Europe if one million more people move from Middle East, refugees, no. And I said, okay, he is doing a great work in fighting racism and so on. But my God, is this normal that a big wealthy guy is planning moving million people here, there, and so on and so on? Where are the local people to decide about this? And then we wonder that Orban is winning in Hungary and so on. You know, that's my big worry about this politically correct left. It's so elitist. I really worry about it. I think we live, again, internationally, nationally, in a very dangerous moment. And again, we need Wikileaks to give us the data. And all the best to Julian. All the best to Julian. I just wish him, I hope at least he has TV. If I were to be him, I would try to enjoy life. Uh, But another thing speaking about enjoying life, that I should tell you, people should know this. You know how desperate was it for him? He told me once this, when he still at least had normal communications, it was possible for friends to visit him and so on. You know that there is no kitchen in the embassy, no? So somebody has to bring food to him, no? So friends were bringing him regularly some meals from, I don't know, local there, Chinese, whatever, restaurant. But then he got hints from his friends that, you see, that's his daily, that was when he was happier, his daily life. You know that friends hinted at him that uh, that uh, British Secret Service is observing that and their plan is to poison food a little bit in the restaurant not to kill him, just to make him go to the hospital where, bump, they, they catch him. 
you know. That's his daily life. And I don't even imagine, you know, I'm a very material, concrete person. Like, now that only lawyers can visit him, not every day, what does he eat? How does he organize his daily bread? I mean, this is in, in this is because I repeat, there is no kitchen there, you know. And who right. brings him food and so on? There must be some solution, but here I think we should also ruthlessly, why not? We are right here. Manipulate at this level, raise sympathy for him. You know how many people even didn't know what embassy is there? They thought it must be a nice villa with a nice garden. No, it's on the same floor, one of the two apartments. Mm. It's not what you associate usually with embassy, you know. People should know these concrete details. People identify, sympathize with all this, no? Are we already over? What's the hour now? No, we, our, uh, our next guest is, uh, is running late. So if you have more thoughts that you would like to share about WikiLeaks and Julian Assange, if you have time, uh, we would be delighted to have you keep going. No, I'm sorry. I have some obligation, but I will try to say something. Yes, that the key thing is, I think, to maintain in your view both opposite. On the one hand, this personal sympathy for Julian there, and again, always be aware when you read some bad news about him. Always be aware of what a gigantic psychological warfare, information, intelligence activity is behind this. So, uh, nothing is innocent here. Even this neutral data, like he behaves a little bit in a rough way and so on and so on, which didn't strike me at any point, incidentally. And when people say he is authoritarian, I wouldn't say authoritarian, but wait a minute, Ra uh, running WikiLeaks is not a, a, it's not a grassroots democratic movement, you know. There are so many things which has to be, remain secret and so on and so on. It is a people's secret service, no? That's one thing, but also my message, bear in mind the general consequences, implications, and so on and so on. This is not just a case of a crazy guy who wanted people to know more about secret services. This is about all of us what lives we will live in. We, will we, I think that I'm not a utopian here. In the crazy world that it is today, we need spy services, protection against violent attacks, and so on and so on. But unfortunately, we cannot fully trust those in power. So we need just a minimal transparency also of those in power what they are doing. We cannot trust them. I remember I was at some round table on BBC News at 10 when somebody was just saying, but this is normal spy operation. And then a friend of Julian, or was it uh, 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 Chelsea Manning, I don't know, simply said, but look, the data show what information CIA was gathering in Brazil 
it was not some defense information. It, it was about private lives of, of, of the executives of Brazilian oil company, probably to blackmail them and so on and so on. You know, we should just, we should get to know all this. So many things are happening, we don't know it. And that's even the philosophical lesson of this, how precisely when people today feel free, free in the sense of, okay, there is a crisis, maybe I don't get a job, but I'm free to do this, to do that, and so on and so on. We are controlled more than ever. That this freedom, personal freedom, is deceiving. That's the message. Without this, we are lost. Slavoj Zizek, thank you so much Thank you so time. much, and hope it's not... The... Incidentally, my dirty inquisitorial spy, where are you? I am in Australia, but I'm from America. Ah, you're in Australia, so you should curse me. I rather, it's, oh, no, it's not too bad. It's, 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 it's early evening there, or what? It's 8 p.m. here. 8 p.m. Yeah, it's fine. Have a good night. Yeah. And please, you thank too, you. Slavoj, thank you so much. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you.